Hey there, friends. I have something really exciting to share, and of course, I'm going to come to you with it first. As faithful listeners here to the Inventory Genius Podcast, I am thrilled to let you know that I am releasing my first full-length book, The Inventory Genius, How to Use Your Inventory to Create More Profit and Keep More Cash. Yes, my book, The Inventory Genius. It is ready to release, and I want to invite you to get your own copy. Now, this book is, of course, going to be practical as it shows us and walks us through how to use our inventory to create more profit and keep more cash in our business, but it's also a little entertaining. So in this book, I weave together my journey, my story, and the story of many of my clients as we discovered through the Inventory Genius Method how to create more profit and keep more cash in our businesses, whether it is paying down debt or taking a paycheck for the first time, there is so much to be learned in the Inventory Genius. So I want you to head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, and grab your copy of the Inventory Genius. You don't want to miss this book. See you soon. Hey friend, welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast, where we work together here to make you an inventory genius. We talk about profit, we talk about cash flow, and we definitely talk about your paycheck. Because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast. Today I am excited to have a guest here with me. Nicole's been hanging around the Inventory Genius world for quite a few years now. I got to see her beautiful profile picture for a long time, and lately I've been able to see her face. We've done a couple projects together. I was on her podcast. She was one of the awesome speakers in the summit, and now I get to interview her. So welcome, Nicole. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I love it. I said, you know, before we started recording, it's like we just see each other every week now in I know, person. I love it's just it. so fun. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so excited to share your interview on my podcast. I love that conversation. I'm excited to continue it here today. Yeah, it'll be so good. You know, I was thinking I've been connected um, because as you grow a brand, you get connected with more and more people, like, right? Our relationships start to widen. And I've been connected recently with a couple different product-based coaches or consultants, and we're all human. I'm very much about like actually living community over competition, Um, not just saying it, but like actually (laughs) living it, but we're human. And so every time I'm connected, I'm like, oh, oh, and then I'm like, no, this is so good because we need to get the word out to help people like we were retailers, e-commerce stores. And so there is no, there's just so many people we can help. So yeah. I'm excited to have you here because you offer a special sauce that I don't have. And even if I did, I'd still love to connect you with my people. So we're going to talk about simplifying today, simplifying your schedule, prioritizing happiness. It's what you're all about. Let's start with the introduction. Tell us why you're qualified to talk to retailers. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, first of all, I have to say, I love the human aspect of the last thing you just said, because my kids are on spring break right now and I have them like hiding upstairs. I'm like, mom's recording. So, you know, yes. <laughs> so, no real, fighting at this moment, please no fighting. Yeah. give me a little bit of time. I'll tell you when I'm done. So, yeah. you know, real mom life behind the scenes here, but, um, yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur for 12 years. I went to school in New York city and studied fashion design 
I moved back home to my small town in Delaware. I was 21 when I graduated and had just started my business designing. I was making gowns for some women in the area um, for bridesmaids dresses, prom gowns, and a bunch of different things. And things were kind of, you know, taking off in a way and it felt really good. And that same year I found out I was going to be a mom. So at 21 years old, it wasn't quite the plan yet, but you know, I knew that I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And, and that moment I was meant to be mom. And so I kind of had this moment where I had to decide, am I giving up on this dream that I've worked so hard for, or am I going to continue on? And I had this just overwhelming strength of this wave of strength just come over me. Like you can't give up on your dream because one day your daughter is going to come to, to you with her dreams. And if you give up on yours, what message does that send her? And that kind of became my why, my hardcore why over the last really 12 years. And so I decided to continue on with my, my dream and my fashion journey. I knew at that point I had to figure out a way to bring in more steady income because designing and custom pieces, it's a whole different ball game than you know yeah. the retail world. Um, at that time, I was still interning for a company in New York. I had been working for a few different local boutiques and I was like, you know, this is something that I could do. The internship I had, I was going to markets and it was a buying office. So I was learning the behind the scenes of buying and I'm like, you know, I think I want to give it a try. So on my daughter's first birthday, I launched the online portion of my business, my website, my first order came in I was sitting on the floor holding her just crying, you know, like, so excited. <laughs> like we could do this. We got this. Um, and then fast forward for about 10 years, I built this business to, um, a retail location that we quickly outgrew. We expanded into a larger space. I had a warehouse with a staff of over 12 at one point. Um, we grew our business to multi-million dollars of sales by the time I was 30 years old. And I know we had a conversation about that and the meaning of like that first million dollars, how it's like a, you know, a huge mark that a lot of us want to reach. But the reality for me was that when COVID hit, um, I was like many of us was forced to slow down and our business was set up online prior to the pandemic. So I was able to really roll into that and, and we did really well for that time. What was hard for me was when we were opening back up again. I realized in that moment that the fast fashion world just wasn't aligning with the slow and simple life I had been craving. And yeah. I am now a mom. We're a blended family. We have three kiddos, you know, we have busy schedules and I felt like I was missing out on moments that I wanted to really be a part of the games, the practices, you know, just picking up from school and, and just having a little bit more freedom with my schedule. And I had built this business this while I was becoming a mom. And I just, I really wanted this time to just be mom. So yeah. um, earlier last year, I shocked the internet. I shocked the community. I closed the doors to the boutique and I've kind of just been on this journey and in this season of change and simplicity. And like you said, prioritizing my happiness. Yeah, so good. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Cause I know, I know, I know that there's so many of you listening that are like, I want to prioritize happiness. 
I am so tired of living into other people's expectations, even people I don't know, the, yes. the fellow Instagram world's expectations, you know, <laughs> my neighbor's expectations, all of these. I'm tired of hustling. I'm tired of the hamster wheel. I just want a simple life. I'm just tired. Yep. And so what, um, what was the first thing you did when you closed the store? So after you made that decision, you closed the store and you thought, okay, now I'm going to build a new business but I'm going to do it different. Like I'm going to do it on my terms. What was the first thing that was like an action step that you took? Oh, to good question. I have to say, I love that you mentioned letting go of other people's expectations because that's something I talk about constantly, Sierra, because that was a big, big part of my decision was I realized I was hanging on to the boutique for so long because it's what other people expected yeah. of me, right? Um, but to answer your question, one of the first things I did was actually put too much on my plate. Okay. <laughs> I realized that it was going to take me a little bit more time than I thought to unlearn this yeah. sort of hustle mode yeah. that I had been in for so long. So I really felt this pressure. I really, I put this pressure on myself to get to what was next because I knew I had eyes on me and I was really determined to make my story about success and not about failure and closing yeah. a business, you know, to the outside looking in can seem like a fail, a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was not that for me. So I think I had this pressure on myself to figure out what was next and what oh, ended up that's so, Oh, we do that. Don't we? Yes. We have to figure out what's next. We just feel like we can't sit in the moment. Nope. What's next? What's next? Yes. And that's exactly what happened for me. And I think I threw myself into a little bit more of a burnout phase by feeling like I had to figure it out right away. Um, yeah. And I didn't need to figure it out right away. So some of the things that I added onto my plate is number one, I knew I had to have a, a source of income, right? Yep. I need to continue to pay myself to help support my family. So what was the quickest way for me to bring in income? And throughout my time as a boutique owner, I was always sort of giving advice to business owners, mentoring other entrepreneurs. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to put together a package and offer a mentorship offer and just kind of yeah. throw a price on it and see what happens. And I got an, a message almost immediately, sold that one spot. And then I was like, all right, well, let me open up a few more spots. And, you know, I enjoy sharing, like you said, community over competition, wholeheartedly believe in that. And I think that we can learn so much from other people. And I have spent so much time researching and with experience and just, I wanted to take all that I had learned and give it back to other business owners in a way that could save them time and save them money. You know, yeah. so the first thing I really dove into was that whole mentoring and coaching side of things. Okay. So one thing I want to ask you about social, cause you brought it up for a minute there. So we're going to dive into like, how do we stay simple with that? But mm -hmm. you said something that I wrote down. I want to talk about non-negotiable. So I was asked, I'm in a mastermind myself. And one of the gals said, what are some non-negotiables you all have? So there's one gal's business owner. She's like, I will not go for more than, I think it's two nights. Mm -hmm. So if, if a business trip is more than two nights, that's non-negotiable. I just two nights is it. She has little kids. So people, and I was like, what are my non-negotiables? I had to think about that. Do you have a non-negotiable now? Like you are not willing to compromise like you used to when it comes to prioritizing happiness. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like they're evolving and changing and I'm learning my boundaries with them too. Right. So like 
in the beginning of this whole, I call it like my year of change. It's been a little over a year now since I closed the boutique. And when I look at each month, there's been different non-negotiables. And now yeah. that I'm like a year into it, I can see things that I've tried that I didn't like, you know, and for me in the beginning, it was a hard, I am not working in the evenings and I'm not working on the weekends. Yeah. And mainly because that's my family time, right? Like I family dinner is one of my absolute favorite, favorite times of the evening. That's like my non-negotiable, like family yeah. dinner, you know, now that we're in spring activities and sports, we're not always sitting around the table, but just making sure we're doing that a few nights a week. Yeah. That's a negotiable for me. But what ended up happening with me setting this hard boundary of no weekend or weeknights and weekends working, I was limiting myself to creative time. So I am a bit more productive in the evening when it comes to content creation. Like that's a lot of what sure. I do with my clients. So I had put this hard stop that when the kids were home from school, I was done working when really my brain was like, no, let's create a little bit. But I was like shutting myself off from it. No, I said I wasn't going to work in the evenings, you yeah. know? So what I had to learn and what I'm still learning is like your non-negotiables can change as you go. Yeah. And my non-negotiable now around my work hours is that I'm, a, it's okay to work some evenings as long as I feel like I've given my best to the to my family and to our kids during the time where I'm present with them. And yeah. then, you know, and then giving myself grace of like, it's okay to work one night a week. If you're feeling excited about a project you're working on, or it's okay to spend a Saturday morning before the house wakes up with your coffee and, and getting a little bit of work done. Like that's okay. Yeah. I think the non-negotiable is like into really what feels good and letting yeah. yourself continue to that. Well, don't you think, I, I think in life, like anytime we have trauma of some sort, right? So that can be just mind trauma that can be, you know, I was horrible 24 seven on always community, all the things. So then you swing to the pendulum of like, I will no longer be, but it's all about finding out like, why am I swinging there? So why was there no nights and weekends for you? It was because you probably didn't do a good job of boundaries before and so that doesn't mean we have to go all the way to the other side. It means that once we identify the why, we can set up clear boundaries and still live within what makes sense for us. Exactly. But we tend to just swing, right? It's either exactly. all or nothing, back exactly. and forth, and that's exhausting. Exactly. And one thing that I always say is like, I'm committed to giving 100% every day, but 100% doesn't mean like, you know, I'm 100% working or I'm 100% like, mom and business owner. Like you can't, it's, it's almost impossible to put that type of pressure on yourself. But yeah. one day my 100% may broken it, be broken down by like, okay, today I'm giving 20% to work, 80% to being mom or on a yeah. different day, it's flipped 80% work, 20% mom. And just giving myself that grace and sort of wiggle room and also preparing my family for those days where I need to work a little bit longer. Yeah. Like today, for example, the kids know around one o'clock mom's done for the day and we can do our thing, you know, but until then you need and to be quiet. You got yeah. it. Until then, no arguing. <laughs> yes. Well, that, that brings me to the social because I think we do the same thing with social. Okay. I'm not on it at all. I need to, okay. Swing to the pendulum. I'm going to be on it all the time. I'm going to do stories. I'm going to post, I'm going to write all the things on all the platforms. Then I'm exhausted. Swing to the other side. Someone will go to my Instagram and say, she hasn't even posted for six months. 
So how do we create boundaries with social? How do we keep it simple, but productive? This is what you are good at and you coach your clients on. Let's talk about social media. This is one of my favorite topics of all time. I have a strong love-hate relationship with social media, but it is what I teach, what I coach now, what I help my clients with. And really social media is how I built my business, my businesses now to what they are. Um, And I believe that simplifying it is possible, right? Like there are so many ads out there now and suggestions and tips and tricks that it can feel really easy to be pulled in one direction or to feel like you need to do all the things, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, I need to be on Instagram. I need to create reels. Oh shoot, I need to be on Instagram stories. Have I posted to Facebook? Should I have a Facebook group page? Now I need to be on TikTok. What is YouTube? TikTok, I said TikTok. Um, now I need to be on YouTube shorts. Like there's, co- it's constantly evolving, right? And what I teach my clients is to really simplify it back to just pick one platform. Pick one platform that feels good to you. If it's gonna be two, let it be two that you can duplicate the content from one to the other. Oh, that's and so good. Put a ton of work into it, right? So yep. my two favorites are Instagram and Facebook because they're connected and you can cross share content from Instagram. Instead of Pinterest and YouTube shorts, completely yes. different. But com- yes. Exactly, completely different. One day I do believe it will be easy to cross promote to all of these things, but right now it's just not, you know, and video content being shared to reels is different than posting it to YouTube, the sizing, the editing, like it's just all different. So pick one, pick two. How do you pick those? Where is your, where is your client or ideal customer hanging out? How old are they? That kind of, that depends on, you know, where they're going to be spending time to, um, where do you spend a lot of your time? So I know that with the content that I'm creating, Um, or sharing or tips that I'm giving, I could probably do really well on TikTok. I'm not a TikTok person. I don't, I I don't have TikTok. I don't spend my time there. So it's not something that I'm willing to invest into learning because it's just not a part of my, my daily, you know, routine. Instagram, I love, I love scrolling through reels. I love looking at people's stories and connecting with them that way. So I lean into that for my content as well. So Those are kind of how I help clients narrow down which platforms to pick. Where are you spending your time and where are your ideal clients spending their time? Yeah. Um, And then when it comes to, you know, it's always like, well, how often should I post or what should I post, right? That's kind of where the conversation goes, goes next. And there's really no right or wrong answer to this. Um, You know, you'll hear consistency is key, which I do believe. That could be posting three times a day, or it could be posting three times a week, really looking into what feels good for you. And there's a term I throw around often inside of my group coaching program. It's the panic posting. And I, you can probably relate to this. And a lot of your listeners, it's like, oh shoot, I haven't posted anything. So let me grab something from my phone and slap a quote on it and an emoji and post. We panic and we post, right? Well, you know, when you're posting that, it doesn't feel good. The energy going into it is rushed. You're not sitting down speaking directly to your person and how you can help them and what they're struggling with. You're just panic posting. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so I believe in quality over quantity and putting intention behind the posting that you're putting out there. I would rather see intention and 
and knowing that the when it feels good to you it's going to be received that way on the other end as well yeah that's so all that stuff is so good it's interesting that you said you know there's so many ideas out there i literally this morning saw some i don't even know who this person is you know instagram shows me the people and it was like um don't post in your stories more than four times a day and i was like oh i have like 12 in there and i thought you know what i don't care what you say Yes. I want to talk to my people. Sometimes it's four today. It might be 15 because I have a lot to talk about, or I'm sharing my client story. Like, I don't care yes. because my people don't care. Yeah. They want to hear from me. And if they don't want it, they'll just scroll past me. And I think we have to just get over ourselves and stop like trying to do what everyone tells us to do and do what we know our customers like, and realize like at the end of the day, the world doesn't really care about what we've got going on. I mean, right. We're all in it for ourselves. So if they don't want to see our stuff, we'll just stop looking. That's right. You know, that's and right. We could just post. If we have something to share, say it. Yeah. And I, I think that there's so many people claiming to be the, an expert in marketing, an expert in social media, an expert in this. And yeah, like I consider myself to be an expert in branding, an expert in marketing, but my strategy may not work for you. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's totally okay. And I think that's the the most important thing with social media is just leaning into what feels good for you. If that's yeah. showing up on stories today, show up on stories. If you don't feel like talking to anybody and have the app completely turned off for the day, that's okay too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I really believe in just doing what feels good for you. Can you speak to, before we talk about the friendly entrepreneur, which I want to talk about, <laughs> can you speak to one more thing on social? And that is the customers we have. The people mm -hmm. we have, because I think in our mind also, we're like, I need to, what do I need to post so that someone sees it and shops and follows me instead mm -hmm. of saying, but I have 2000 people who've already decided yeah. they're going to follow me. Why don't I just talk to those or those 300 people, right? How Absolutely. do we get into that mindset of like, here's what we're gifted with. Like we need to steward what we already have. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right. So First thing is people come and say, you know, what do I post? What do I say? And then it's, how do I get more followers? Yes. <laughs> or how do I find more customers, right? Well, you said it, you have 2000 followers. That's 2000 people who have chosen to be in your space, chosen to see what you're posting to, you know, and then if it's, if it's 200 people, it's the same thing. These 200 people are choosing to follow you, right? Imagine being in a room full of 200 people. That's a lot of eyes on you. That's a lot yeah. of people who want to hear from you, who want to see see you, you know? Um, I also think that if we, if we visualize our accounts growing to 20,000, 10,000, whatever, right. We should still be showing up the same way we would with a 20,000 K audience as we are with a 200 follower, uh, you know, 200 audience. Like, yeah. Our, our funnel, our, our customer funnel, if we don't have a place that we're sending them to, whether it's a freebie, an offer, a, a shopping link, like, you know, if we don't have a consistent schedule of what we're talking about, how we're showing up, what we're posting, it's not going to matter whether you have 200 followers or 200,000 followers. You need to start training yourself to sort of, sort of show up in this space the way you would want to if your account was growing, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, but the reality is when we break down our business goals, and I know that you do a lot of mapping with your clients about this, the reality is when we break it down, most of the times we don't need 20,000 followers yeah. to reach that goal, right? It's like, 
you know, for me, I only need maybe 10 clients a month to reach my, yeah. my goal, you know? And so when you start to think of it that way, it's like the content I'm putting out needs to be quality over quantity. I need to be speaking to who is here right now, speaking to them the same way I would speak to an audience of whatever your goal number is. Of yes. Yes. That's so good. You can think of yourself at, on a stage, you know, if you were asked to speak, and you walk into the room and there's 20 people, Every there's 20 chairs, every chair is full. You were asked to speak, you show up, you give that message. You're not gonna walk in and say like, oh, I'm gonna go out on the street corner. I need more, I need more people to come. Like how exactly. rude would that be to the 20 who parked their car and paid for the ticket? Exactly. And we don't think about that with social media. We just want that vanity metric. It's, oh my goodness, such a exactly. trap we can fall into. Yeah, and it's the same thing when it comes to email list or website views, right? Like we all start somewhere. So yeah, you may only have 10 or 20 people who have joined your email list, but put your all into those 10 or 20 people because if they, you know, even half of them were to say yes to whatever it is that you're offering. Yeah. That's a good chunk of sales right there. That's so good. Yes. So the friendly entrepreneur, I need to know where the name came from. It's the <laughs> cutest. I don't know if you want me to say cutest, but I think it's like the cutest name ever. I love it. Thank you. Tell me what it is, where the name came from, what it's all about. Yeah, I feel like my journey of being an entrepreneur, I have come across a lot of unfriendly entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah. and you know there's always this weird like wall up depending on who you're talking to and they don't want to like share their secrets so to speak like there's always just this weird block and not with everybody but in my experience more times than not I've hit this wall of like just wanting to have a conversation and then on the other end it's just kind of like shut down it's like okay well that's not fun you know yeah and I just, I knew I wanted to put together this community for entrepreneurs, for business owners to connect to um, a, a place to come and ask questions, a place to come to feel supported, to celebrate wins, small wins, big wins. I always tease, like, I love my husband and our couch sessions, but sometimes I'm like, you're not even listening to my ideas or what I'm yeah. saying, you know? <laughs> and so it's really the space, the community that I wish I had. 12 years ago when I got, when I was first getting started and yeah. the idea with the name at first, the name was the lonely entrepreneur because, oh. <laughs> yeah, because I really feel like, you know, this journey of being a business owner and entrepreneur can be incredibly lonely. And oftentimes yeah. you feel like you have nobody to talk to. And then I was like, well, I don't want it to feel like depressing, you know, we'll cover that topic inside of it. And actually yeah. my daughter was the one who said, what about the friendly entrepreneur? She's like, you're really friendly, mom. And you're always talking to everybody. I was like, boom, done. You're a genius. The friendly entrepreneur it is. So I love it. I wanted to feel light and happy and, you know, truly just friendly. I want it to be a friendly place that you can come into to feel motivated and inspired and seen. Well, if you write a book, you should name it that. I was listening to an interview on a podcast with Rory Vaden, who does a lot of personal branding stuff. And he was talking about how you choose a book name. Yeah. And one of the things he said is to always have a positive word. So he would say, do not name your book, The Lonely Entrepreneur, <laughs> because yeah. it gives, but yes, name it because everybody wants to aspire to something. So I love that you chose that. I can just imagine like a cute little emoji smiley face. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just like, I want to connect. I want to belong. And inside The Friendly Entrepreneur, do you like work on social media most or what's kind of the main crux of it? Yeah. Um, so we go, we do weekly lives. So every week I do a Facebook live. The 
we have a platform where you can go on to see all of the past trainings, but um, it really takes place in a, inside of a Facebook group. So every Wednesday I go live with a new topic, a new training. Um, a lot of the members will just join in and ask me random questions or questions about that specific topic. Right now we have a six week series happening where it's strictly social media. I'm talking about um, more of sort of what we've covered here of endless content ideas, um, Canva tutorials. I'm really big on showing you how to work through the things I'm teaching. I am a visual learner and a lot of the members inside are as well. So I do a lot of tutorials. And then we do a monthly Zoom call where it's just a live Q&A. Come on and ask me anything. There's no agenda. It's just like an hour of hot seat coaching. And then we do an accountability Zoom once a month as well. So we just log on. We share what we're going to be working on for that hour. We set a timer. Nice. And then we come back at the end and just kind of share how it felt, what we got done. And um, yeah, it's it's become like this. It's just truly a friendly place. I know that sounds so cheesy, but it just is. And everybody's so positive and quick to give advice and feedback. Um, if you're struggling with something, I always say like, go to Google, yes, but just come here because there's so many women inside of this space who are ready to help and have you know value to give. Yeah. Um, so it's become one of my like favorite ways of coaching because I can connect with more people at once. Yeah. And um, share just topics that I know my members are struggling with. That's so good. I love it. Well, it's been really fun to chat with you today, Nicole. Um, as we wrap up today, is there one word of advice that you have that maybe a mentor gave you or that you heard from a fellow entrepreneur that's just really stuck with you on your entrepreneur journey that you'd love to share? Oh, let's see. The first thing that comes to mind immediately is I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur. So there's a lot of things that I have allowed myself to really try this last year. And it was hard for me to piece them all together as like, what, how does this make sense? And, you know, is this something my audience is going to understand? And a mentor gave me this advice of viewing your businesses, if you're a multi-passion entrepreneur, or maybe you have more offers or several types of products, aligning those with whatever your personal mission is, and then it'll all start to make sense. And for me, that was like a light bulb moment. And my mission is prioritizing my happiness or prioritizing your happiness. And whether I'm working with a one-on-one -on -one client, I want to make sure that what they're doing brings them joy. When I'm inside of my group coaching program, I want to bring joy. If I'm sharing, I love to paint. I'm an artist. So if I'm sharing my artwork, it's because it brings me joy. So it all can be a part of who I am because it aligns with my personal mission of prioritizing my happiness. And that was really a light bulb moment for me of like, I can do more than one thing. It's okay. Yeah. And it all makes sense if it makes sense to me. That's so good. Awesome. Well, you can find Nicole on Instagram. What's your handle? At more than Nicole J. My podcast is more than clothes. So more than I Nicole love J on Instagram. Well, it's fun to watch you on Instagram. You do do a lot of in stories and I've seen your paintings recently with your daughter and just that fun. It's just fun to see other entrepreneurs like living their best life. And you have a lot of business sprinkled in and tips for us and things. So make sure to follow her on Instagram, listen to her fun podcast. Love the name of that too. Um, and then we'll drop all of these links and stuff in the show notes. So if you guys are driving or if you're out on a walk, you can just circle back around and grab the link so you can follow Nicole. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.
All right, everyone. And thank you for tuning in to the Inventory Genius podcast. If you have not grabbed your copy of Inventory Genius yet, it is a number one bestseller on Amazon. So you can grab it on Amazon, which makes it really simple and easy. Or you can head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, where you'll find all three versions, the ebook, the printed book, and the audio, audio version, along with the option to grab a workbook. So um, wherever you find the book, I would encourage you to grab it. It's a simple, easy read. It will give you bite-sized actionable steps. And until next time, have a fabulous week. Bye for now. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in today to the Inventory Genius Podcast. If there's something that you heard today on the podcast episode and you want to dig deeper into becoming an inventory genius yourself, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, where I have multiple ways that you and I can work together on your inventory. I want to help you with your profit, your cash flow, and your paycheck because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. So head on over to the website, connect with me, I'll work with you soon. See you then. Hey friend, thank you for tuning into the Inventory Genius Podcast. All right, so around here, you heard me talking about different ways that we can work together. And that's either through a mastermind or through a VIP day. I wanted to share with you a little bit more about what a VIP day looks like. And it's actually not just a day. We start together working on your business for an entire day, but then that work continues throughout the year because let's be honest, Sometimes we can get all of the information, the tools, the systems, and the processes we need right in front of us, but then actually taking the action and staying accountable to get that action done is where we fall short. So here's what it would look like. You and I would sit down literally in your place of business. I come to you. So whether that be your warehouse, your store, or any place that you own that has inventory, we sit down together, we look at your inventory, we look at your team, we look at your systems and processes. I get to know all about your business. We dig through your financials and we come up with a system and a process to create more profitability and peace of mind in your business. Then after I go home back to my house in Nashville, my office in Nashville, we'll continue that conversation meeting monthly to review our plan of action along with your financials to make sure that you stay on track. This is a very tailored program and it works. I have amazing testimonials that have been sent to me by women that I've met with time and time again as I met with them for a VIP day, put a process and a plan in place and then help them execute it. I want to be that coach for you. So if this is of interest to you, head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, where you can learn more about booking your VIP day.